Welcome to Attenuation, a weekly podcast where two friends come together to drink beer, discuss beer styles and trends, and just generally ruminate on the meaning of life, aka beer. If you enjoy your time with us, we invite you to become a weekly listener and subscribe to the podcast. Without further ado, here is this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to episode 98 of Attenuation, a beer podcast. My name is Jason, and I'm joined by my best friend since 8th grade, Stephen. Hello. How's it going today, sir? So good. You ready for another episode of the podcast? It's been a little while. (laughs) Yeah, so ready. Actually, if I'm diligent, we might be able to get two episodes out in, like, within the span of two weeks. Yeah, like It's been a while since we recorded, but we just released last week. (laughs) Scheduling magic. (laughs) So today we're going to return to uh, Deep Dive. It's one of my favorite types of episodes. So we're going to talk about the brewery. The brewery. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sorry. not Like, which one? Yeah, it's a pretty clever name. We'll get into the details of that when we get into the Deep Dive. But as is tradition, we have to start out with our favorite segment, which is drinking beer. Yep. Oh, the way this works is I introduce my beer, give nose notes. Steven does the same. Then we cheers and give our tasting notes. All right, what do you got going on today? So today I'm excited, but then I opened Tavor to remind myself of this beer. And it has, and then, so when I ordered it, there was like no reviews. And now there's a bunch of reviews because it's been in my fridge for like six months. And everyone's like, it's gross. <laughs> I'm really worried. But it's um, Wiley Roots imperial it says cinnamon star so i don't know how to say it it's like a funny way to say cinnamon it's yeah, cinnamon, cinnamon s-t-a-h star. it's almost like cinnamon star but with an h at the end okay so, so i don't know if that means something but basically it's a american imperial stout 10.5 percent and it has vanilla graham crackers and cinnamon were used so I was excited because I love cinnamon beers and it sounded like it's going to taste like what are those like little teddy bear crack uh yeah Cookies. Uh, teddy grams teddy grams teddy like grams. cinnamon teddy gram beer <laughs> so people online said there's chunks in it because i think they might actually put graham crackers so I'm gonna... well i will say wiley roots they do a lot of smoothie sours too. okay that's their big thing so they're pretty good at making like thick beers all right so i poured it out it has almost no carbonation it's very 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 dark looks like flat coke it smells boozy cinnamon very nice cinnamon smell kind of like candied cinnamon almost and it does have like a cracker yeah cracker vanilla for a second it smelled like a ginger snap but now i'm not getting the ginger but you know like that dark like a dark cookie smell yeah hmm yeah a lot of cinnamon vanilla it almost smells like a little bit like plum too i think i'm gonna like it but we'll see Maybe they got bad ones and I got the good one. Never read reviews, man. (laughs) I know. Gotta go in blind. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Well, I have a very exciting tasting today. So it's actually kind of cool. It's a little bit of a celebration of the some of the new newer distribution to Texas. Mm. So so yeah, it's very exciting that I can get these two beers in Texas now. um, With the uh, there's so the two breweries are Toppling Goliath. And other half, both which has started <laughs> distribution. Jason's shaking his head. <laughs> yeah, the viewer, the listener can't see me, but I'm. See so your disdain. <laughs> my disdain and, and and envy. 
Well, you because you texted me this picture of an other half beer, and you're like, I just bought this at the grocery store, and I was like, what? Yeah, I can believe that, like, at my local grocery store, it just had a whole shelf of other half. And so, I will say, I've no, been noticing other half, like, come up, like, it's been at the, the, the um, my local bottle shop and stuff. Like, so I, I realized that they were starting to distribute here. Okay. But it wasn't, like, it wasn't the best stuff. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it was just sort of a... But like, oh, okay, that would be cool to get these. And then all of a sudden, I have there's a shelf of like all citra everything, all green everything, green city. Bra- I mean, just all of their best beers on the shelf. So I was like, oh, okay, now it's it's real now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and once you get in those, yeah, I'm I'm very jealous. I'll have to. I don't know if they're just dripping all the way out to California, but I'll have to. Maybe I'll do some research after this episode. Yeah. So I have all citra everything from other half, which is a double dry hopped double ipa and it's all citra of course so and then so i thought i would pair it up against king sue which i was also inspired by <laughs> by our tech stream because i was saying that like now that i can get king sue or pseudo sue whenever i want <laughs> oh yeah like i i barely ever buy it <laughs> yeah it's that is the it's like the local <laughs> phenom local phenomenon if you live close to like you know, like how I, I lived live near Yosemite and I didn't go there until exactly. I was in my 30s. <laughs> it's that phenomenon, but like you take it for you like instantly take it for granted. Well, after <laughs> the novelty wears off of like, oh, I could buy this, then you're like, yeah, I'm sick of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, so I was at Total Wine yesterday, and I was like, okay, I'll get some King Soup. I would have bought Pseudo Soup, but it was kind of old. Yeah, you got to check the dates on those. Okay, so we're doing King Sue and other half, all citra everything. Yeah. Okay, nice. And as far as I know, King Sue is all citra. If I think it is. Uh, okay, I'm looking in my while you're pouring those. I gotta see which other halves I've had. I don't know if I've had that one. And all citra everything was our favorite beer at the Firestone Walker Invitational. Too. Oh, that's right. The all citra everything, like you open the can and it's just like pure mango aromas. It's incredible. Like, from across the room, you can smell it. I have not had okay. that one, so I'm jealous. These are going to probably taste, like, frightening, frighteningly similar to each other. I'm really curious which one you're going to prefer. That's actually all I care about, is which one you think is better. <laughs> really, now, at this point in my craft beer, like... Journey. Journey. I all This is all I want to do. I want to do side-by-sides of, like, really, really, really good beers. It's really fun, because it's like you can decide which one is the best. To you personally, of course. They're both pretty similar in color. Hazy double IPA is um, kind of orange, golden. Uh, I would say the King Sue is like just a a tinge paler than the All Citra Everything. Aroma-wise, King Sue, uh, a lot of mango, but definitely some like pineapple and orange mixed in there, like tangerine. Okay. Uh, whereas the all citra everything mango dominates with more of a like blood orange background. To Ooh, it. I like that. Yeah, King Sue's like a little bit brighter. I think maybe that pineapple, mm-hmm. pineapple and, and pine sort of comes off the King Sue a little bit more than the all citra everything. Okay, here goes. All right, cheers, buddy. Well, you get double cheers. double cheers. Double cheers. Okay, this is not bad. It's um, it's not fantastic um it's so on entrance it's you definitely get cinnamon vanilla chocolate graham cracker 
there's kind of a weird booze note in the development and then it just kind of breaks apart in the finish i don't know uh, okay. it's just kind of like there's all these flavors that hit you right up front and then it's kind of like you get the booze and then there's just not really i i'm probably biased because i'm used to like barrel aged <laughs> i bet if this is barrel aged it'd be amazing but <laughs> so i would say for like just for a stout it's pretty good and it definitely comes across like, i think they kind of nailed what they were trying to do so i think it's a thumbs up for what it is but uh i probably wouldn't try it again um yeah but it's not bad one and done and i didn't get a bunch of chunks in mine that's what people were complaining about online <laughs> mine, mine mine poured clean so i don't know maybe there was some of the cans uh had a bunch of chunks in them for some reason yeah didn't but get i get filtered out or something yeah i don't know but i want to hear what you decided was better <laughs> well like i said these are like eerily similar okay. to each other i did want to mention king sue 7.8 percent all citra everything is 8.5 percent mm-hmm and I will say, I, I think, so I, well, I'll start with King Soup. King Soup, sweet orange, pineapple, zero bitterness. And then it almost has a little bit of a, um, like a cantaloupe melon note to it as well. Uh, but yeah, just zero bitterness, very juicy, very bright, kind of the bright pine comes through as well. 7.8%, no booze at all. Hmm. The All Citra Everything, it is much more orange through through the whole tasting okay um a little bit of like orange peel in there as well like but like it brings a little bit more bitterness than the king Sue, but kind of has this like vanilla like dreamsicle kind of aftertaste to it like okay that, it's just there's just so much orange sweet orange that you get this like nice sort of dreamsicle flavor throughout and just you can you get the booze just a little bit more than you do with the king Sue. <sighs> I think I, they're both really, really good. <laughs> I see you struggling um, to decide. I think I have to choose King Sue. I knew, I knew you were going to say that. Uh, yeah, only because it's just a little bit more, a little I don't bit. know, I guess get more expression of like all the flavors of the Citra Hop. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like all Citra, everything really like focuses in on the orange. Um, it sounds like it's a little bit more one-dimensional. Yeah. Which is not necessarily but, a bad thing, but like... No, no, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing that like you can just get flavors like this out of hops you know what i mean but yeah but no i think the king Sue just from a the standpoint of being a little bit more multi-dimensional and uh, uh brighter i like that bright pine in my ipas so all right you have to bear with me for one second okay <laughs> this is very bad podcasting <laughs> You have a can a can of King Sue. This is right. one I think you brought this I think this is the one you we had together. I have I keep a very few cans in my office, just empty sixteen ounce cans. And King Sue is one of them. So I just I had to show Steven really quick. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a great beer. It's really good. Yeah. Well I'm 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 happy that Toppling Goliath was able to defeat other half in <laughs> At least for you in this instance. I'll have to yeah. try. I looked in my Untapped app. I've had five beers from Other Half, but I've never had. Oh. I've never had All Citra Everything. Yeah, because I think you've had like Daydream or mm. whatever it's called. or Yeah. Like Mylar, Triple Mylar, Daily Daydream. I get a lot yeah. of the weird ones that end up on Tavor. But I think they sometimes get um, all Triple Everything. I've had Triple Mylar, Daydream. Vapor Rings, All Nelson Everything, Double Mosaic Dream. And then I had a stout from them, Deep Orbit, Centurius. Oh, yeah. So all those were fantastic. Other half is like, they don't miss. Yeah, no, it's getting really, uh, it's nice that they're like, 
not only are they distributing more widely, but you can almost always get their stuff on tab wars. So. Yeah. All right. Cool. So thumbs. Oh, so thumbs up on both of them. Obviously, I think. Thumbs up. Kings who wins edged this it out. round. All right. Yep. Cool. <laughs> All right. So next we have um, postscripts, beer news, and story time with Steve. So postscripts is when we fix or follow up on things from previous episodes, and then beer news and story time with Steve are self-explanatory. We do have a postscript. I think Steven and I both tackled it. We talked a lot about Chat GPT and some of the other AI programs last episode and one of the things i wanted to see if it could do was rank the cycle brewing days series so they you know they make their um monday tuesday wednesday i think they make one for each day of the week yeah and i really wanted to rank them for me and so i got like an app on my phone it it costs money but they give you like a free week or whatever and i asked it to rank it and i was very disappointed because it said as an ai language model i don't have access to real-time customer rankings or specific data on customer preferences for Cycle Brewing's day, in quotes, stout series, which I was pretty impressed that it was like, it knew what I was talking about. Yeah. But it said, I will give you a general order based on popular opinions and reviews. So it's kind of a little disclaimer that I don't think it was able to, it's not able to like interface with Beer Advocate and, you know, pull yeah. actual data, data, unfortunately. That'd be way cooler. So I, I told Steven in the pre-roll, like, I can't wait till we get to that level. Like, where it can actually pull data from like Beer Advocate untapped and give me like the ranking data. But I was actually quite impressed with the, what it did. It did it did it did rank them for me. And then it said, please know individual preferences may vary. And um, it gave a really long description of each one. So for example, Wednesday, it said this bourbon barrel aged imperial style is known for its complexity and depth. And the specific characteristics may depend on the barrel used. And sometimes it would talk about like chocolate notes, vanilla notes. So it did a decent job, I think. Obviously it's just like skimming data. Yeah. So I was like slightly impressed and slightly underwhelmed at the same time. Cause I really wish yeah. it could have pulled the ranking data and it just gave me like the ranking. Did you, exactly. I think you also tried it and had a similar yeah. experience. Yeah, similar answer. And I, like, rephrased the question multiple different mm-hmm. ways, trying to, to, like, give me exactly what I wanted. But, uh, but, yeah, I mostly just kind of was like, here they are, here's descriptions of all of them, and, like, taste is, you know, subjective. So <laughs> it said that a it lot, would, which was interesting. It couldn't rank, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, well, no, I didn't want you to rank them. I don't want you to <laughs> yeah i don't chat gpt you can't drink beer i don't care what you think just yeah i want it to be based on the reviews you see online but yeah it was like i think it's having a hard time accessing certain data right so we're not quite there yet i did i also told steven the pre-roll i don't know if it was on my phone i don't know if it's in beta or whatever but on amazon i was looking at a product and i always read amazon reviews even though like they're almost worthless at this point because yeah (laughs) i mean this has been happening for like five seven years now but you know, sellers will give products away for free in, in, in exchange for five-star reviews. So, like, everything has a five-star review now. But yeah. it does this cool thing where it gives you an AI summary of every review. So it'll say, like, most customers liked this function of the product, but a minority of customers found that, you know, like, it would break after three days or whatever. So it's kind of cool because you can get a feel for all of the reviews in a single, like, paragraph. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a weird time to be alive. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, so I did like go through on Beer Advocate and pull all of them up. Okay, you did see, it manually. Like, yeah, and it looks like Friday 
and Sunday are like the two highest ranked mm-hmm. cycle stout, like day of the week stouts. Okay. And then Saturday had a 90. So Friday and Sunday both had like 94s. It's kind of hard because like it depending like sometimes it's the year it's the certain vintage that's being reviewed yeah, on the kit. it is hard and they do like one-offs where they do like adjuncted versions and yeah so but in general i think friday and sunday are the highest ranked and then saturday is kind of your third and past that like the earlier days in the week monday tuesday wednesday thursday are all pretty similar like in the low 90s yeah i will say it did <clears throat> it did help me focus i think i want sunday because i read all the descriptions and Sunday is the cinnamon and vanilla one. And I there love <laughs> cinnamon in a, in a stout. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well. You got to get that hunapu again. I know. We have some. We have a lot of news this episode, too. And we have to start with some disastrous news. Yeah. So GSL. I think it's GSL. That's the shipping solution logistics company that Tavor relies on for my distribution area. Lost my Tavor box. So sad. It's gone, Steven. Someone's drinking all my beers right now. There yeah. was a... Or it fell off the truck or Rusty something. nail in there. There was the number one ranked old ale. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which was my father... Which was a gift for my dad for Father's Day. So I had to tell him, <laughs> uh, it's gone. So I emailed Tavor... Well, I called GSL because... Normally I get like texts and they say, you know, it's on the way. It'll be here Wednesday. You got to sign for it. And then, you know, Wednesday rolls around. And it's like, it's out for delivery. You get all this information. They're pretty good about it, actually. Yeah. I just got no text for like a whole week. And then I was like, where is this box? So I looked on GSL and it said it had the weirdest message of like it missed a transfer date or something. I was like, that doesn't look good. So I <laughs> called GSL and she, after like, you know, 20 minutes of being on hold and chatting with her, she's like, oh, we're so sorry, sir. This box is lost. Like, you need to reach out to the shipper. <sighs> so then I emailed Tavor, and I was like, uh, I think you guys, I think GSL lost my crate. They were super nice about it, and obviously they refunded all the money and the shipping, but they were like, there's nothing we can do. Like, there's no way we can replace this set of put, put this box together. Yeah, you, like, yeah. it's all, you know, all that stuff's gone. So I was super sad because some of that stuff i just don't know if it's gonna pop up again but so now i'm kind of like turned off tavor i know it's not their fault it's gsl's fault but i'm like man i don't want to lose another crate <laughs> <laughs> well i mean probably that would never happen again. i know but it's I like say, one in a thousand but yeah but one of the like main my main complaints with tavor has always been their third-party mm-hmm. shippers at the toward like the thing tail end of the like my box always arrives at my local shipper and then for like for some inexplicable reason it takes a week and a half for them to get it to me and this <laughs> their headquarters is like 10 minutes from my house it's so frustrating <laughs> like, like, what are you guys doing uh, in fact i even just went there and picked up my box from them wait really it was that faster one, yeah one time i just i think it was i was coming out to see you actually Okay. Or we were going, oh, you know, I think it was, it was before we went to Seattle. And I was bringing I you a that. rusty nail or something. And uh, I thought for sure it was going to get here on time. And then, like, no, I'm watching the box. And I just called them. I was like, is it faster if I just go pick it up from you? And they were like, oh, oh yeah, probably. Like, okay. Wow. <laughs> Come get it. So, and then, of course, like, when you get to the building, it's just this industrial building, mm-hmm. right? And there's no front office. Like, they don't expect to see people mm-hmm. coming to pick. So they it's have, not like, set no, up for, yeah. It's not set up for picking stuff up. So they're, like, all confused as to why you're there. And 
That's wild. Where your box is, and uh, it's just it's a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, my tower box box was lost, lost to the wind. So, I hope someone out there is at least drinking those beers and enjoying them, because that would make my heart happy. If it yeah, just fell would... off a truck and all the beer cracked and leaked, leaked into the cement, <laughs> that was a waste. But I hope some human somewhere imbibed it. <laughs> oh man speaking of that I, I don't i think i told you but um i have like my beer fridge in my garage and i had it in the like the door of the fridge um because that's like where a lot of these bottles can stand up you know like the bigger mm-hmm. bottles i had all my all these fancy oh, no. beers in bottles like in that door and we were getting ready for a trip and we were like packing the ice chest we we're getting some stuff out and my daughter opened the door to the beer fridge and the shelf holder thing like came off like they're against the weight of all those <laughs> big bottles and they like came crashing out of the fridge yeah and my daughter was like freaking out because she thought my whole beer collection was Aww. gone <laughs> so like the whole door fell off like the whole like the shelf the rack has the rack yeah like it has that forms the shelf basically like popped off and so but miraculously there was only one beer that actually broke and was spilling so like it looked bad at first but then it just i realized like no it's just one bottle okay so you saw beer like pouring onto the ground Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 and uh it was like my goose island uh bourbon county stout like coffee coffee edition or whatever that i i had that i hadn't opened yet but everything that. else get that next like, year. <laughs> yeah i had multiple other things that i was i was very happy that they didn't break <laughs> yeah yeah that's scary yeah i would have had to like disown my daughter and everything it would have been terrible oh my goodness <laughs> well i'm no, glad i had to go like i had to go give her a hug and be like it's okay it's, it's okay beer. sweetie like, we don't care yeah <laughs> yeah don't be upset at the end of the day it's just beer yeah that's funny i had a similar experience where i have this old fridge in the garage that i got for free off like a craigslist listing or whatever because i wanted a beer fridge and i was like oh i'm just gonna like when i used to live in a college town uh fridges would pop up all the time so i got yeah so i got it but it's kind of like old it still works really well i'm sure it's not energy efficient but yeah, the plastic on one of the shelves was kind of brittle, and I had a bunch of exactly what you're talking about, like bombers on it, and it like broke. It's hard to describe, but the plastic that was holding the glass shattered, and it fell, and all oh the bottles gosh. fell and like rolled out. And I saw this massive like spray, and I was like, oh no. Long story short, it was just like a Coke can that burst. Uh- None of the bottles actually broke. Oh, wow. That's impressive. So I just took the whole thing out and, like, duct taped it all back together and put it back in. (laughs) You know, refrigerators. Those, uh, if you fill a whole shelf with bombers or, like, the door thing with bombers, that's heavy. It's really heavy. Yeah, it's a lot of Yeah. (laughs) So you got to be. I know. I was, like, giving my fridge more credit than it. Yeah, you got to be careful. So I guess I gotta drink some. <laughs> yeah, that's a sign you gotta start drinking. What is it called? A uh, drink, drink your, your cellar. Drink your cellar. Yeah. All right. So next beer news is very sad. It's near and dear to Stephen and I's heart. Anchor Steam. After what, like a hundred plus years? Yeah, it's basically the oldest craft beer. Well, one of the oldest. Multiple fires. Craft, craft breweries. 
If you want the whole story, you need to go listen to our deep dive of Anchor Steam. It's really good. And, well, they're going out of business, unfortunately. But there's a lot of things happening behind the scenes. I know. Well, first off, I didn't actually realize that they had been bought by Sapporo. They, yes. Uh, like 2017, 2018, I think. That was news to me as well, but we kind of uncovered that when we got the... Yeah. Yeah, so they got... They weren't they weren't really independent anymore, but unfortunately... I don't know. It's I'm very sad about it, Steven. I was reading a lot of comments on Reddit and stuff like that, and I understand a lot of it. Like, obviously, COVID affected a lot of breweries, but it's a lot of the oldest craft breweries aren't doing a great job of keeping up as well where like they're just right. competitive against some of these places like other half you know like these unbelievable craft brewers like the the scene is so competitive now yeah so, yeah you never know like obviously it's hard to say like you know what mistakes were made or because you don't you don't get the like intimate details of the financial decisions and maybe if i dug a little deeper i could find them but a lot of people were just saying like yeah like when's the last time you drank like anchor steam or something like that <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. yeah. Well, it's like people were upset when Toys R Us was closing mm-hmm. or whatever. And then people were like, yeah, when do you go to Toys R Us? Mm-hmm. Like, mm, never. You know, you buy stuff on, stuff on Amazon or Target or whatever. And then you're upset when this other chain goes yeah. out of business. But you There's don't a price that is paid. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it is really sad. Obviously, I want it to survive. There's a lot of irons in the fire. I know we were talking about it in the pre-roll, but some of the employees might might try to buy it or keep it running. And yeah, the workers union were there. We're trying to buy some time to see if they could raise money and do some sort of run it as like a co-op. Mm-hmm brewery so yeah and i do i read another article that said their sales increased by like thousands of percent because like everyone when you know when people got the news it's going out of business people started buying like interesting beer and stuff because they're <laughs> like oh we gotta drink it for the last time so it got this like surge of new life but they gotta figure out if they can make it sustainable it's the going out of business sale just put the sign up this is going out right. of business sale <laughs> And we gotta get more popular. We have to revisit our deep dive. We should have done it in the pre-roll, but uh, I feel like didn't some individual investor was it Anchor Steam that he bought? Like, was it? Didn't it almost got a business another time, or was that another brewery? I don't remember. Well, Fritz Maytag, right? Fritz Maytag, I think. Yes, it was Anchor Steam. He bought the whole. Yeah, it was. He bought the whole brewery. Didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He saved basically yeah, yeah so it's so there's precedent historical precedent for it to be saved at the last yeah. hour so we'll be following this one closely but we're, <laughs> we're both sad about it well you know what's funny is that i a similar story so i'm and and maybe the bay area is becoming it uh, maybe the bay area specifically that beer market is becoming competitive and difficult to survive because we talked about going to rare barrel i'm coming out to visit uh in september yeah and we're talking about going to rare barrel and for whatever reason i just like i wanted to look something up about them and i saw something like permanently closed on the like apple maps or something i was like permanently closed what so then i look it up and sure enough rare barrel was going out of business and they luckily were bought by cellar maker brewery which is another bay area brewery and so they're going to keep them alive oh good um uh, they're going to continue to make beers they're they're are they're still 
making beers under the rare barrel name still making the rare barrel like sour beers but the tap room is closed for now oh dang so they're pouring those beers at cellar maker okay tap room um but because cellar maker was like in the process of opening a new tap room they were just they decided to focus on that for now make sure like their tap rooms were doing well before they tried to reopen the rare barrel tap room so Gotcha. As of now, Rare Barrel's closed indefinitely until they kind of decide to sort of go back and focus on opening that up. But until then, Rare Barrel beers will be made and they're, they will be poured at the Cellar Maker Tap Room. Okay, that's good. So they but survive. Super disappointing. Though. Yeah, that is a bummer. Cause... <laughs> like, it's just sad to see how the beer landscape is changing. and It's just it's brutal out there. It's brutal. There's a lot of winners and losers but it's so saturated that's the problem yeah well i was having a discussion on i think on reddit actually about how models like stone and modern times sort of overextended themselves yeah and that's why they ended up having to either close or sell out or close tap rooms but there was somebody like making the point that there's a difference between like overextending in terms of production and distribution and opening more tap rooms okay because just opening more tap rooms gets your beer out there, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't necessarily have to be distributing and selling it in the in the grocery stores and stuff. Like if you're providing a place for people to come buy your beer, it can be done in a smart way, basically. That makes sense. You're getting like into new markets and yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Like you can you can overextend yourself by opening too many new places, but you can also over you can also do overextend open new places your production. In a, yeah, and you but yeah, and you can open new places without overextending yourself in that as long as you you're using those tap rooms as a way to get beer to people, but not overextending into like trying to sell your beer more places and up your production and I don't know. Really interesting just sort of discussion on how these different models are surviving or not surviving. <laughs> right. Well, it's really hard cuz like at the end of the day like you can do all the market research you want, but you're not going to know until you actually like open like you open a new tap room in like a new city you're not gonna know until like people either show up or they don't and it's a lot of money to invest in that kind of expansion so yeah not for me not for the faint of heart okay my last news is for you steven i already texted you you already know but we have to do it on the podcast so you have to react like you're surprised genuine reaction here folks there's apparently a new formulation of Otrevis. What? It's not prickly pear. Lame. So I don't think it's the original recipe, but, and maybe it is still the same, but I saw a post, uh, a news article about Otrevis returning, and it has like a new, the can looks different. So I don't know. I think they changed the recipe. Maybe it's really good. You got to find one. You got to drink it. You got to let us know. Well, when I had it, I was at Sierra Nevada in Chico, mm-hmm. and I, I got the pour. And I drank it, and I was like, "This is not the same thing." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and then I started like reading the description on the menu. I was like, "Wait, what? This is different." And the waitress was like, "Oh yeah, we changed the recipe." And it went it went from like being a prickly pear to a uh, agave lime. So apparently, it's still agave it's lime. It's still agave lime. So, but maybe they reformulated it to be better agave lime. I don't know. <laughs> It's probably not as good as the original, but I just want to let you know. Yeah. It's been reformulated. We should try it. Honestly, if I see Otrevez on the shelf at my grocery store, I'm going to be pretty excited about that. Okay. Just because it's like such a OG beer for me, and I haven't bought a Sierra Nevada beer at the store in a long time. 
Yeah. <laughs> And they right, probably so should before they go out of before they go out of business. Now. <laughs> no, <laughs> they better not go out of business. But yeah, there's a lot of titans dying, so <laughs> I'll be so upset. And then someone will ask me, "Oh, when's the last time you bought?" Uh huh. <laughs> exactly. And you'll be like, "Oh no, I was a part of the problem the whole time." All right, you ready to go into our deep dive of the brewery? Okay. How deep are we diving in? So pretty deep, but I was actually shocked. The brewery was founded in 2008, Stephen. For some reason, I thought the brewery not, had been not out. first wave. This is right. not first wave. It's funny because I even read a interview with Patrick. So first of all, Patrick Brew is the founder. His last name is R U E. So the brewery is spelled B R U E R Y. Very clever. He put his last name right in the middle little play on words because it still is pronounced the brewery but has his last name in it so well done well done yeah clever clever but he even said in an interview like oh yeah we're not like i don't even know if he used the word first wave i think we adapted that from like coffee the coffee waves but he basically said like we're not i think he said we're not og but yeah okay. they're younger than i thought they've only been around for 15 years for some mm. reason i thought the brewery is much older than that but yeah so they've only been around for 15 years so there's a lot we can get into but not as it doesn't have as deep and as rich of a history that i was anticipating but still i think like even 2008 was pretty oh yeah still definitely early early we call it second wave I mean, we're maybe. not talking 80s but. yeah we'll call it second wave <laughs> like late second wave yeah late second wave but yeah they um opened in 2008 and they only have they have a 15 barrel brew house it's in california and they i like they have a lot of tenants you know like uh philosophical ideas about their beer so they say they make experimental ales brewed in the belgian tradition and then i think you talked about something that is kind of interesting and i didn't think about this until you mentioned it one of the other things is like they kind of want their beer to be shared and i feel like when they're one of the few breweries that like still and i haven't been to the beer shop for a long time but I feel like this may be true. I know they do cans, but I feel like they still do a lot of stuff in bombers. And yeah. part of their philosophy is like share the bomber, which makes sense because like a lot of the things they make, they're you know they're stronger stouts or, but they're designed to be shared, which is kind of cool. So they're like, they're kind of like one of their core philosophies is we want to make, we want to make experiences that you can share with your friends. Yeah. So yeah, most of their stuff still. Other than, yeah, you can get some of their, um, yeah, some, I guess, like, especially their pastry stuff. They have some series that are in cans, but yeah, a lot of their stuff still is in bottles. And not only is it in bottles, but it's also bottle conditioned. Oh, yeah, very cool. That's, an un- that's another big thing that they, they like to do. So, but I think <laughs> what's really funny about calling them a second wave, second wave, I think, partially was defined by the IPA mm-hmm. or the, like, the hop wars, you know? And one of the tenets of <laughs> the brewery was that they were not going to brew an IPA at all. Yeah, I came across that too. Patrick said, we're not going to make an APA, which is really funny. It's like such a, especially (laughs) not so much today, because I feel like the IPA has lost, it's still super ultra popular, but it's lost a little bit of its dominance. But like, you know, 10 years ago saying you're not going to make an IPA is like insanity. (laughs) 
I know it's a little ahead of your time to be like, <laughs> no, I, we're not going to do that. And like, okay. And then now it looks so smart. Yeah, that's pretty funny. So yeah, so they, well, actually, sorry, I want to talk about a little, I want to bring up a couple other facts about Patrick. So he's, you know, I said he started in his kitchen, you know, just like home brewing before he actually like, you know, went all the way in and started the brewery. But he's also, I don't know when he earned it, but he's a master Cicerone. So he's one of the, we did a, we talked about the Cicerone, beer Cicerone on another episode. And, you know, maybe we can postscript this and see, like, how many masters there are. But it's a very... No, it's only, like, it's less than 15. Yeah, it's a small... I think. Small community to get all the way up to master. Because there's... Is there four levels? Uh, There's three or four? Yeah, four. Four, okay. Yeah. And Steven and I had, you know, we played with the idea of just trying to get level one. But even to get level four, it's like... you have to go is it's like in chicago or new york you they like fly all <laughs> like all the masters assemble it's like getting on the jedi council dude it's like yeah it's like once a year test yeah yeah it's insane so like the fact that he's a master cicerone is really impressive and super cool i would that's like bucket list material for me but i know like i'll it's not even realistic that I could become a master cicerone maybe like a level one maybe a level two well level one Level one is like the uh, just the beer server certification, or whatever, and then level two is like that's when you're actually a sister. You can call yourself a sister. Okay, level, level two, two is where you have to take the first test, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Level two, theoretically, we you and I could probably get it done, but I don't think either of us is ever going to achieve the title of master. <laughs> no, no, that's a we're probably just not in the beer industry enough yeah but yeah i would love to be level two uh, as a bucket list for me and steven and i but yeah so he is a master cicerone <laughs> so so you know he was in law school no i didn't and, know that yeah so he started law school and he was brewing beer like just as a home brewer throughout law school but he joked that he wanted to be a brewer when he got his grades at the end of his first year in law school because <laughs> 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 he didn't do that great yeah and he he said he just wasn't ever really that great at law, and but he was really good at homebrewing. Yeah. So he finished law school. He never took the bar because he decided to open his own brewery instead. So Very cool. But yeah, he was very focused on doing experimental styles, ex- using experimental ingredients, saisons, and brewing beers with dates and figs and spices uh definitely belgian leaning and sort of a a lot of what they do too is oak barrel aged as well so definitely the success of breweries like and this is probably the group of breweries he's in like in terms of like waves of beer but uh oma gang allagash lost abbey those are all um similar breweries as well as breweries that inspired him and gave him confidence that Mm -hmm. he could actually make and sell these beers yeah 100 percent. yeah kind of this i mean you kind of alluded to it but some of the things they said on their website even is like they want to create experiences they want to see you say how they do that like make weird interesting unique things and they're they're pretty successful i mean that's a really risky business model because a lot of your stuff is gonna miss but they do make some pretty cool beers like i think i absolutely love their horchata they have an horchata beer that's based on the drink the rice and cinnamon drink see cinnamon it's cinnamon always gets to my heart steven but (laughs) yeah (laughs) and it's like one of my favorite beers from the brewery 
And then obviously, I was searching. I don't know if I've actually had it, but we're going to talk about Black Tuesday. That's like one of their more famous beers. And it's one of the ones they pour. It's one of the ultra rare beers that's super hard to get. Like even if you go to a beer fest, like at Great American Beer Festival, they I think they pour it for like, you know, like an hour. So you have to make sure you circle back just to get the Black Tuesday. But yeah, yeah, I drank it at the Firestone Walker. Oh, of course. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well... It was hard to drink in the in the heat. Right, it wasn't good conditions. <laughs> I think it is like almost twenty percent ABV. Yeah, not great conditions for drinking it. <laughs> um, it was it was a brutal beer to drink. Not something that you're going to drink very often. Well, what's pretty cool is if you're a brewery fan, they have a really nice YouTube channel where they do things called like Beyond the Barrel. Unfortunately, they don't they don't have a lot of views. But if you're into the brewery, check out it's just the brewery. That's their YouTube channel. And they actually have, there's two videos I wanted to talk about, but basically they do like tastings of all their beers as they come out. It's really cool, but they do a history of Black Tuesday and like the story behind making that beer. And it's an interview with Patrick and they basically say like, he said he had a ton of grain that was like going to expire and he's like, okay, we got to brew this. So they put, and I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but basically they overloaded their mash ton. And I think he realized he shouldn't have done this because this is part of the reason it was such a horrible experience. They put like way too much grain in it and it actually, it stuck, grain stuck, which I didn't even, I've never even heard of this phenomenon until I saw the interview where like he said they couldn't get any liquid out of it. There was so much grain, it like blocked, <laughs> it blocked the liquid from coming out so they had to like open the side valve and like it was a disaster and it like spilled all over the floor so it was like a horrible brewing experience and it coincided because the first time they brewed it was in 2008 so it kind of coincided with the housing meltdown so the stock market is like crashing so they make this beer they don't know what to name it it's you know it's a stout and they end up aging it in barrels and he even says like it's really funny because he says like they're aging it and then they kept tasting it every month and he said it was like rocket fuel rocket fuel rocket fuel like so disgusting you can't drink it and then after like i can't remember it was like 11 or 12 months they're like oh it's amazing (laughs) so then they started selling it in the tap house and like people loved it and he kind of did the call out what to name it and someone had suggested black tuesday because it's a little and he loved the idea because it was like it was a nightmare to brew and it kind of coincided with like black monday was the you know the uh the stock market crash that initiated the great depression and so it was black tuesday because it was like the 2008 financial crisis and then it's kind of cool because the other thing i kind of dovetailed into which i didn't know but they were really ahead of their time with like subscription models because black tuesday got really popular so i think it was the first time maybe it was the second year i don't know i'm not 100 percent sure on the dates but they were gonna do the pouring of it and he said there was like a line massive line out the front of the brewery and they were like oh no like we don't have enough to pour for all these people and they said they had a single register and that credit card machine was like on dial-up connection and they're like this is gonna be such a bad day and that's when they were like oh we'll do we should do like a subscription program so i think they're one of the earlier like membership models where you could pay a fee per year and then they it kind of guarantees you access to their rare brews. So kind of cool. So they were definitely ahead of their time on that, but it was kind of out of necessity because they got that beer specifically got so popular. It got more popular than they could produce to meet the demand. 
So that was kind of cool. Yeah, I think they call it their reserve society. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. It's expensive. Yeah, $325. Yeah, $325 a year, but you get 12 of the big bombers, 750 milliliters. Um, and then you get discounts online and in the tasting rooms you get and then you get access to like they have exclusive beers that they all offer only to members they also have another one that's 70 dollars a quarter oh okay so what is that and that gets you a quarterly box of four that's actually not bad you get a box quarterly with four big bottles in it it's almost like it would be something where you're not um you're not close to the tap room mm-hmm. or because basically you're just missing out on the like access the like exclusive beers you don't save as much online or in the tasting room so and you don't get like a there's like a gift no i don't know the 70 dollars a quarter is not a bad deal yeah that's and you could just do that for one quarter so you could always try it and just see if you like it how do you think you have to if you if you're shipping your box you have to pay 15 dollars to ship your box as well but oh okay (laughs) then there's one that says invite only So That's who the knows? hoarders who knows society. How, who knows how you get into that? But one yeah, plus members only included beers. Huh. There's one more video I want to talk about on their. Um, they have a how to make banana beers on their YouTube, and it's an interview with one of the gentlemen that works there. I guess he runs their like barrel age program, and uh, he said that bananas are super hard to work with, which is what we've heard. And they've tried it like a thousand different ways where you use like actual bananas. But the thing that they found that works the best is like they get puree. It's like pureed bananas. But he said it was really difficult because to like dose the fermentation, you'd have to like climb up this ladder and like you have this huge like 30 pound thing of pureed bananas it's like a big oh it's just a big like bag and then you unscrew the top and you have to like pour it out and it was like it's too it was really dangerous because you're like it's a very unsteady situation to do that so eventually they figured out they could use they like reverse engineered there was like they use this positive pressure pump it's like a super strong pump so it could suck the puree up and they used what they they kind of reverse engineered this like pump and this spigot that they used to take the beer out but they'd clean it and use it to like positively force the banana puree into the huge uh, fermenter. And that's like the cleanest and easiest way to do it. And apparently that Thai banana puree is like, that's how you get the best flavor. So I thought that was kind of cool because I have a weird obsession with banana stouts this year. I actually have, Steven, I have another half banana stout. And I think I'm going oh. to save it and we'll, we'll drink it when you visit, among other things. But yeah. They, they definitely use bananas yes they do i made sure <laughs> but yeah so that was pretty cool i really like their youtube channel they actually have a uh review or they're kind of like a video about their um horchata this is everyone's favorite horchata inspired ills back so i might check out some of these videos but pretty cool youtube presence so the horchata beer that's a what's the base like a blonde or something what's the i think so it's um Blondale. Yep. It's a Blondale with rice, milk, sugar, cinnamon, and vanilla. It's based on the popular drink originating in Spain and Latin America. It's really good. If you like horchata, it's basically like drinking that, except it's a beer. (laughs) It has alcohol on it. Yeah. That's awesome. So I think they make it every year. Um, I've seen it. It says out of stock right now. but So the other thing is like the brewery, among other breweries, 
I've gotten a lot better about, and I try to dig into this. Maybe we could postscript this, but there's a really complex set of laws around shipping beer and all that stuff. But you can order a lot of beers on the brewery. And then also we discovered, you know, we kind of alluded to the fact that Patrick was like, hey, I'll never make an IPA. Well, technically, <laughs> they do make an IPA, but it will not come out under the name The Brewery. They have a whole another program called Offshoot, and they called it Offshoot, <laughs> which is pretty funny. <laughs> it's literally called like Offshoot Company, and they make a bunch of IPAs and hazy IPAs and stuff like that. And those beers you can order. So, like, you can just kind of put them in your cart. And depending on what state you live in, you can just get them shipped to you, which is pretty cool. So, more and more, I am seeing, like... Because I did it for the... I did it the first time with... Uh, where It was the first time ever, I think, you know, it was last year. But I ordered directly from Firestone. You have yeah. To, it depends on what state you live in. But I feel like a lot of these breweries are just, like, making their beer available on their website. And they'll just ship it to you. Which yeah. is pretty cool. Especially California breweries within California, you're going to be able to get them for sure. Yeah. I was looking at the Brewery Society page, and um, it says which states they they ship to. Oh, okay. So you have to be in California, D.C., North Dakota, New Hampshire, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or Vermont. That's oh, okay. It. That's a pretty limited list. So... So you're lucky to be in California. I think yeah, uh, Great Notion is doing that too. You can get, you can just get Great Notion beers sent right to you. Oh really? Where I live? I'm looking right now. I'm looking right now, Stephen. <laughs> I'm gonna get that. Uh, uh, what's the uh, mango steen beer? Yeah, overripe. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So I was just reading. They actually broken into three different uh, brewing facilities. So they do their clean beers, and then they do the like infected sour oh okay sour and wild ales they yeah. do that one that's the brewery to row <laughs> and then the third splinter the third um brewing facility is the offshoot beer company which makes all the ipas okay so i, lo- I love that like <laughs> we all make concessions in our uh <laughs> you know great coke sold off stone after being um very anti-selling selling yeah, out true. you know what i mean like we all have a breaking point i guess <laughs> And at some point, they realized they didn't need to make. We gotta make IPAs. an IPA, yeah. And yeah, I guess it 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 became he just w- would never make it under the original brewery label, so he had to make a new label. Well, it's not the first time we've seen this because, like, remember with Arrogant Ale, we were talking about that, and we realized it's not actually Stone. They spun off like I think it's called Arrogant Ales or whatever. So. Yeah, they, yeah, it was like they couldn't. It, that was a weird one because it was like the arrogant bastard brand was like not. <laughs> what they say? Like, it, was it like, wasn't like a good good representation of Stone's brand or whatever. Yeah, their brand identity. Thing. I'm like, you made the beer. Yeah, it's, it's like, like you it's... guys originally made the beer, but anyways, they spun it off. It's like it has become sentient or mm-hmm. something, and had to just cut it off. So it's like under its own label, but yeah, it's kind of similar to this, but it's a clever way to do it. I mean, cause you know, to the normal consumer, they're never going to like dig that deep. And it's kind of like when uh, Comcast rebranded their internet to Xfinity. I don't even know if they're still Xfinity cause they had like such horrible customer reviews that they were like, let's just change our name. And like most people won't even like most people won't notice, but it's right. like, no, this is still the same garbage service you're getting from the same brand. They just <laughs> changed the name of it. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. 
Um, what else do we want to say about the brewery? So we covered offshoot, covered their barrel yeah. programs, like their subscription programs. Oh, they're not really independent anymore. So they did sell a majority share to Costanea Partners, which is a private equity firm. So I'm assuming yeah. if they said a majority share, that's like a controlling interest, right? Yeah, that was in 2017. So in 2008, they were founded. Till 2017, it was owned and operated by Patrick Rue and his father, Mike Rue. Okay. And then mostly is this private equity firm became financial backing so that they could expand. Okay. Yeah, I don't know exactly where they stand. I think they're still considered an independent craft brewer because the, what the main one of the main criteria for that is that you're not owned by a larger beverage oh. conglomerate, right? And this is a private equity firm. It's not like yeah, it's, beer it's isn't their like thing. Financial backing, basically, gotcha. not not like a bigger. So it's just an company. investor. So maybe they can still fly the, they could still like run the independent label. I don't know if they do, but I, I'm pretty sure they do. I, I'm pretty sure they they still qualify for the uh, Craft Brewers Association. The independent independent, independent label. Yeah. yeah, it's mostly just a uh, a way for them to expand. Makes sense. They needed money to expand. Uh, and then Patrick Rue, he became part owner of Moonlight Brewing. So Moonlight Brewing was a sort of a cult favorite craft brewery in Santa Rosa. Their big beer was this, like their most famous beer was this black Czech style Pilsner mm-hmm. called Death and Taxes. Amazing and, names. Yeah. And they sold to Lagunitas. Oh, okay. Wow. Or at least they sold half. Like, they were partially owned by Lagunitas. And then Patrick Rue came in and bought that half from Lagunitas. Oh, wow. Okay. So they sort of went independent, non-independent, back to independent being owned by um, now Patrick Rue being half half owner. Very interesting. Honestly, that feels like a... um, uh, (laughs) Feels like just a way... Like, I'm I'm sure Patrick Rue was just a fan of the beer. (laughs) Right. And probably saw like the writing on the wall of maybe Moonlight going out of business. Maybe Lagunitas was gonna just shut it down or something, and decided to just save it. Yeah, for the sake of saving it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of Death in Texas. Not a uh, not a super popular style of beer you see. Right. The black. The no, black totally. water. Huh. Very cool. So, Interesting. So that's what Patrick Rue's doing now. He's got his own brewery and then investing in other breweries. Yeah. <laughs> the man likes beer yeah all right cool do you want to say anything else about the brewery number two rated california brewery on untapped oh nice i don't know what number one is probably russian river or something yeah <laughs> or Sierra nevada uh, uh they have 12 total great american beer fest medals. Oh, medals nice their ode tart i think in 2010 it was like a some sort of sour beer they they won both the world beer championship and the great american beer festival in that sour category, they won gold in both those categories. So oh wow! 2010 Oud, Oud Tart, kind of one of their famous beers. Um, but yeah, definitely, uh, it's kind of funny that how I think it was last week we were talking about the well, you know, d- diving into this history a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So it is interesting that it's not as old as we thought. Yeah, unfortunately, but, they, they didn't hit the five pillars of the deep dive. <laughs> they haven't had a fire. Just Black Tuesday, where the beer was pouring out all over the floor. <laughs> and if you're not familiar, the five pillars of the deep dive are war, fire, tax evasion, prohibition, 
and style is carried on or revived by a single person. <laughs> but they miss they miss most of the war and prohibition. So yeah, at least he saved a beer called Death and Taxes. There you go. So <laughs> he hit at least one of the pillars of the deep dive. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, just if you um, see some brewery stuff, check it out. I really love their banana bread stout. Okay. They're, um, their whatever it's called pastry series, whatever their pastry series is. Yes. Uh, it's very good, but, um, always cool to see. Honestly, nowadays it is so common to see like all these stouts and beers brewed with like weird ingredients and lots of adjuncts and stuff. But that wasn't something that was going on as much in 2008. No, I feel like they were ahead of their time on that for sure. So for sure on the, on the adjuncted beers, <laughs> Uh, they were out there, um, especially in Southern California, where, you know, breweries like Stone in this hop war and making these really, really hoppy West Coast IPA styles. And he was like, no, nah, I'm going to do something different. Yeah, so, he's like, I'm not going to make an IPA. Yeah. Yeah. Just a cool way to stand out and, and just a, um, a pioneer, I think, for sure, in the adjuncted experimental beers. Yeah, for sure. Love it. All right. Really cool. Well, not as deep as we thought it was going to be. I think that's almost like a credit to the brewery too. Is like I thought they were, I thought they were older than they <laughs> they were. So yeah, it actually surprises me that they're not that old because I feel like their reputation built up pretty fast, which yeah. is which is a good sign. I will say very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> they're one of the more expensive micro or craft breweries. Yeah, for yeah. sure. That was one of those like where you're at the beer festival and you're like, we got to drink a beer. Yeah, beers. I told Steven. I think the first time we went. Yeah, because we have like a really <laughs> fancy bottle shop in my town that has all like really fancy beers, and they have a pretty large section dedicated to brewery. But it's always like, oh, those are gonna, those are expensive. Dude. Those are gonna hurt, hurt the pocketbook. So, but all right, cool. Well, I think that's an episode. We are attenuation, a podcast. You can contact us by. We're on Instagram at attenuation.podcast. Steven does a great job posting pictures of beer there. So and, many pictures of beer. Yeah, so many great beers he's had. And you can also email us at contact.attenuation at gmail. But this has been episode 98. Steven, we're almost to 100 episodes. I can't believe it. I have a party. Yeah, we got to think of something cool to do for number 100. I got to crack. We got to each drink a real special beer. But my name is Jason, and I'm joined by my best friend since 8th grade, Steven. All right, that's me. And we're saying... You forgot your line, so you were rusty. <laughs> I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> what do I say? So, yeah, cheers, and thank you, and we'll see you next week for episode, well, maybe, we'll see you next time we record. We'll see you next time we record, yeah. <laughs> for, Making uh, promises you can't Yeah, keep. I know. I got a little daughter at home that keeps me very busy. So, we'll see you next time we record for episode 99 of Attenuation. Woo! Woo. All right. Cheers, buddy. All right, cheers. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Attenuation, a beer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram or Facebook for more fun content. Catch you next week. Cheers.